All right. So today is the fourth Sunday of our Heaven and Ordinary series. We're going through the Psalms and we're looking at how they guide us in meeting God in the midst of all of this that we've been talking about. Um, so we're looking at Psalm 22 today, which is also a Psalm of lament, like Psalm 13 that we looked at last week. And a lot of these Psalms, it's good to recognize, arise out of particular situations. And, uh, and situations in King David's life. And sometimes we know what that situation is. Other times we don't. We have a general introduction. Like in Psalm 22, we don't know what the particular situation is. The title just says, For the director of music, to the tune of the doe of the morning, a psalm of David. So whatever the particular situation here is, uh, we do know it was really intense. Uh, David draws on metaphors that sound a lot like execution, things like his heart turning to wax, all his bones being on display, um, and he's doing that to communicate the, the deep grief and gravity and pain of his situation. And because of that, there is no other psalm that more directly foreshadows Jesus's sacrificial death. Of, of all the 150 psalms, this is the psalm that does it most powerfully. And of course, Jesus, when he's on the cross, he quotes from the first line of the psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and then his experience of being stripped naked and being pierced and having his clothes divided has all of these direct parallels with Psalm 22. Um, and also, just as Jesus's death is followed by his victorious resurrection, so we'll see later this psalm of deep lament and deep grief and pain is followed by praise. So just to frame this, um, in one sense, it's important to see that Psalm 22 is about David. It's about a particular time in his life where he felt far from God and close to death while still resolving to be a worshiper. And then in another sense, a very important sense, Psalm 22 is about Jesus, the son of David, the son of God, the Messiah, the one who fulfilled the story of Israel and, and who through his death and resurrection reigns as Lord over all. And then finally, of course, this Psalm is about us. It's about me and it's about you and those we know who are suffering. Um, and as such, Psalm 22 is really a gift to us to like these other psalms we've been looking at, it helps us honestly express our emotions here, um, emotions of loneliness and grief, without letting go of hope. And, and, and it helps us as well keep our compassion alive, even if we're not in a really tough place, keeps our compassion alive for those who are in a difficult place. Um, and I love what uh, I've been quoting some in this series from the biblical theologian, Ellen Davis. And I love what she says about this. Let me pull up my presentation here. <clears throat> so she says in her book, Getting Involved with God, that like the blues, anybody in pain can sing them. And she's talking about the, the Psalms of Lament. Or anybody who has ever been in pain and wants to remember what it is like, in order to keep compassion alive. So let the metaphors of the lament psalms help you express your grief. And when you are not yourself in grief, let them instruct your compassion. So let's look at how Psalm 22 does that. And today 
I want to use the message paraphrase as we do so, which I think has particular power for this psalm. But feel free to follow along at home with whatever version you have. And let's start with verses 1 and 2, which is David beginning by expressing the pain of loneliness and the feeling of distance from God. He says, God, God, my God, why did you dump me miles from nowhere? Doubled up with pain, I call to God all day long. No answer. Nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. Now, if you've ever felt that way, or perhaps if you feel like that this morning, this psalm is, is a, a gift to you and, and to show you that you are not alone, that you are in the company of David, you are in the company of Jesus, and countless others who, for various reasons, experience the loneliness and pain of God's perceived absence. And if you're in the midst of that, uh, this, is, this psalm is a gift to say, you know what, don't feel like you need to muster up cliches uh, during this time. Start with the honest lament. That's okay. That's where you are. So use this language and make it your own. Now, part of David's lament is that he's not experiencing God like others supposedly have. And, and he directs that lament toward God in verses three, and three to five. He says, and you, God, are you indifferent? Above it all, leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise. We know you were there for our parents. They cried for your help and you gave it. They trusted and lived a good life. I recently bought a book of art based on the Psalms. It's called Seeing a New Song. It's um, by a Dutch artist named Annika Kai. And she has a painting based on this verse or based on the first section of Psalm 22. I'm really moved by this, so I wanted to share it with you. Um, and she has some notes about this painting I wanted to read. She says, the, the bent shape of someone in deep sorrow suggests a question mark. Why? But God is enthroned in light. See the top right corner there? God is enthroned in light. Um, and although it appears as if he has not heard the cry, the question mark transforms into the shape of a listening ear. A listening ear. So it may not feel like God is listening in the midst of that question. And yet he is. And, and part of why David doesn't feel like God is listening to him is because of how he's being mocked by other people. And that's where he goes next in verses 6 to 8. He says, here I am, a nothing, an earthworm, something to step on, to squash. Everyone pokes fun of me. They make faces at me. They shake their heads. Let's see how God handles this one. Since God likes him so much, let him help him. And again, we think of Jesus because you may remember people mocked Jesus in the exact same way as he hung there on the cross saying things like, if you're the son of God, then why don't you save yourself, right? And come down from the cross. Let, let God save this Messiah now if he is who he says he is. People heaped these insults on Jesus. But unlike David, Jesus received those insult, insults, yes, as a real human being like David, but unlike David, as the perfect, sinless image of God, 
taking on the sin and the pain of the world for you and for me. And this psalm foreshadows that for us. It's also important to realize uh, here in verses 9 to 11, uh, David is not really questioning whether God exists. And I think that's remarkable, actually, given the depth of his pain. He's affirming the role of God in his life, but he is questioning how it could be that God feels so far away. He says, to think you were midwife at my birth, setting me at my mother's breast. When I left the womb, you cradled me. Since the moment of birth, you've been my God. Then you moved far away and trouble moved in next door. I need a neighbor. If you've been following 242 Live every weekday, you'll know that on Friday, uh, Mike led us through a fitting lament regarding the murder of Ahmed Arbery. Um, and today as well, I'm, I'm continuing to lament the violence and the racism and the injustice surrounding that tragedy, tragedy which, you know, is, of course, only a fraction of what the Arbery family is feeling and lamenting, especially with Ahmad's birthday on Friday and, and Mother's Day today. But this gives language to those groanings, right? Where are you, God? I need a true neighbor. Psalm 22 gives us the language for things we can barely groan out at times. And, and David does so in the next stanzas with really gritty and gory metaphors. I won't read them all, uh, but in verses 12 to 21, if you scan through here, David's describing himself encircled by angry bulls, um, like a kicked over bucket, uh, a melted heart, a body pulled apart, uh, laid out for dead. I mean, David is in, is in the depths of despair. And, and it seems like there's not a glimmer of hope. And, and yet this is where the psalm just totally amazes me. It takes this, it's about to take a drastic turn. But before we get there, again, the artist Anna Kakai, a Dutch artist who's, who's reflecting on the Psalms, she has another painting. This is based mostly on verse 19. And in her notes, she writes, the dark spiral below symbolizes someone who's descended into hopeless inner confusion. So that's David. It was Jesus. It's us. Though everything is obscure, though, she writes, and God is invisible, light probes to enter the dark fears. And that's exactly what happens in this psalm. Like All of a sudden, in verse 22, light's going to flood the scene, and David is going to break out into worship. And if we're honest, I mean, it seems a little, it seems a little sudden. It seems like emotional whiplash. And we don't know if if this, this last part was written later after David's circumstances changed and he could have that perspective, um, or if in, in some remarkable sense it was written in the midst of the same situation. Uh, whatever the case, I like what Ellen Davis writes again. She says, what has changed is the psalmist David's experience of suffering. And perhaps that has changed only because he has dared to break the isolation of silence and knows that God has heard. 
I think that's remarkable. In other words, uh, the words that come next, and I'm going to read them all at once, the rest of the psalm, are, I, I view them as a courageous declaration of faith in the midst of doubt. Um, a a God-saturated expression of hope in the midst of real pain. Doesn't mean the pain's not real. Both are real. Uh, Both are important to name. You know, rather than soft peddling around one or the other, what's so remarkable about Psalm 22 is it begins with that heart-wrenching lament and it ends with heart-soaring praise. So here it goes. Verse 22. Here's the story I'll tell my friends when they come to worship and punctuate it with hallelujahs. Shout hallelujah, you God worshipers. Give glory, you sons of Jacob. Adore him, you daughters of Israel. He has never let you down, never looked the other way when you were being kicked around. He has never wandered off to do his own thing. He's been right there listening. Here in this great gathering for worship, I have discovered this praise life. And I'll do what I promised right here in front of the God worshipers. Down and outers sit at God's table and eat their fill. Everyone on the hunt for God is here praising him. Lift it up from head to toe. Don't ever quit. From the four corners of the earth, people are coming to their senses. They're running back to God. Long lost families are falling on their faces before him. God has taken charge. And from now on, he has the last word. All the power mongers are before him, worshiping. All the poor and powerless too, worshiping. All with those who never got it together, worshiping. Our children and their children will get in on this as the word is passed along from parent to child. Babies not yet conceived will hear the good news that God does what he says. So there you have it. Right alongside the lament is this praise song. Because while tragedy is is real, and we've named that this morning, uh, it is not the ultimate song in the story. It is not the the ultimate melody. And Barry talked about this earlier too. The, The ultimate through line, the ultimate melody of God's story is that he is making all things new. He's reconciling all things to himself through Christ. Every relationship in every direction, this is what God by his spirit is all about. And it can be hard to to remember that in the midst of of the difficulties and the pain and the suffering. But Jesus does it for us. Again, it's remarkable to think about this as Jesus' prayer. You know, it's, it's, it's the reason why Jesus, while he's hanging there on the cross in the darkest moment of history, he cries out with the first line, of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then later on, he calls out with the last line of Psalm 22 by saying, it is finished. And that might not, might not be as obvious, but let me show you. Um, most English translations end Psalm 22 with a phrase like, uh, God has done it. But a, a direct translation of the Hebrew there is more like, God has completed it. God has finished the work. So I, I think it's very likely that Jesus is quoting all of Psalm 22 as he's hanging on the cross. He doesn't have the breath or the energy to quote every line, but all the lament, all the praise, it's all wrapped up. And he's quoting the last phrase 
to show us that, to affirm that his death is what makes possible God's finished work of resurrection and renewal and new creation. And for us, that means his death makes our resurrection possible. His death makes our hope possible. And as well as every single praise song we would ever utter for our entire lives. So, my friends, this, uh, this is quite a psalm, right? I mean, super heavy, so then, then goes to the heights of praise. Uh, so if you feel a little exhausted by that, that's okay. I mean, we're not meant to express all these emotions at every moment. But to know that our scriptures give us this permission, give us, provide this kind of guide and companion for meeting God in the midst of the whole spectrum like that is absolutely remarkable. And then the fact that Jesus fulfilled it, represented all of those experiences and emotions for us, brought them to the grave, uh, and raised them up again with his resurrection so we could have hope is the note I want us to leave on. And the fact that that enables our every praise song will lead us now naturally into singing together. Um, I'm going to pray first, and then we've got Rusty and Kristen Randalls ready to lead us over Zoom. So hopefully that works. Um, And however you want to engage with that, whatever posture you want to take, uh, you're at home so you can scream it out, belt it out, even if you're not on tune, doesn't matter, never matters. Just sing it out, the heart of praise. Uh, But let me pray first, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to the Randalls. God, what a gift you you have given us with this psalm. And it is truly a gift to know that we can be open and honest with you with every emotion. And in the grief and the pain, we express that to you and you know us in it. You're with us in it. Jesus, you've experienced it. So we know that um, that in Christ, um, we have this, this deep connection with you. While at the same time, because... You have given this, this this gift of union with you. We know that it doesn't end with lament, that you your story moves through death to resurrection, from lament to pain. And so we see that our, our stories can too. And that fills, up, fills us with hope this morning. We want to sing. We want to express that to you. And so thank you for the gift of music and song and even these words uh, that allow us to express that to you. Thank you for this church this community, the, the whole range of experiences that we bring uh, united together in, in your body. Thanks that we can be together this morning and do this. In your mercy and in your name, Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen.